Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa usalli wa usallam ala sayyid al-awwaleen wa al-akhirin. Nabiyyana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barak wa sallam. All praise are due to Allah, Lord of the worlds, and peace and blessings be upon our beloved Prophet Muhammad, the master of the first and the last, and on his family and his companions and all those who call to his way to the day of judgment. My beloved brothers and sisters, to those who are viewing, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we are at the beginning and the outset uh, of a new semester. And we wanted to take a look at the situation that we are living in, in a practical sense. And then also to try to bring some of the solutions from the great scholars of Islam in relationship to the reality that we are facing on the ground. And so this course, this set of encounters is a type of opening to look at the struggle that we are involved in and to find some solid solutions uh, to come out of it. And we have to realize that in issues of life, there are always things which are open, al-dahir, and there are things which are inward, al-batin. And many people look at the outward struggles in the world. They base their movements and their decisions upon that, not understanding that there is an inward struggle, that sometimes the battle for the hearts and the battle for the souls is actually the real struggle. And so we want to look at the issues from the outside, what is actually facing us uh, as an ummah these days. There are so many areas, but I want to really bring it down uh, to a few uh, basic challenges. And in looking at what is facing us, there are three real and present dangers. These are issues which are affecting us directly on the outside, issues that are impacting our communities, and our nations. The first of those, of course, is the uh, coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. And this pandemic, which is spreading throughout the world, is something which is unprecedented in our lives. It is causing great consternation and ill feeling throughout the planet. And it doesn't appear to be worse. We are one year in from when they first started talking about it. I can remember being actually out of the country. I was in Barbados at the time. And um, they were talking about this virus because there's a lot of boats that come in with visitors to the islands. And I was getting ready to come back uh, to Canada. And, but the virus was, was starting to spread and people were talking about closing down the borders. Now, a year in to the onslaught of the coronavirus, it's only getting worse. And today, the province of Ontario, you know, has declared a state of emergency. And this is something which in many countries, uh, when a state of emergency is called, the military comes out. Uh, it is something which is a panic, you know, for the lives of the people and usually has something to do with an external foe. 
But this state of emergency has something to do with the internal struggle because we can't see the coronavirus with our naked eyes. They make it appear to be this crown type uh, virus floating around, but we can't really see it. But yet we see the results of people getting sick. And to really deal with the issue, it is not an external foe that you can shoot missiles, you can send your armies. Much of the solution to the problem has to do with human behavior. It is how we are interacting as human beings. Because those areas where people are not interacting freely without um, the, the safeguards that are needed to stop the virus, they are not suffering as much as those who have broken down their safeguards and who don't have any organization. The coronavirus is moving. It is turning into different strains. Uh, they say that there is the UK strain, which is now becoming dominant um, within Ontario itself. There are other strains. The Br Brazilians have recognized strains, South Africans. There are strains in China and other parts of the world. And this is an ongoing struggle. And so the, the COVID-19 is something that will probably be with us for the rest of our lives in one way or another. But it is how we deal with it as human beings. It's something coming inside out because your behavior has something to do with your mindset. It is how you think. It is how you organize your life. What are your goals? What are your values? And so these will be the issues that we will be focusing on, on occasion touching on some of the physical remedies that we can deal with. But we want to deal with the, the internal person to try to understand what is going on. The second great issue that we are looking at, and there are so many dangers, but these are the three that appear to be looming really, really heavy on people, is the economic recession. This recession hit us from back in 2008, and we have been spiraling, governments have been printing money, but we know that money itself is not based upon gold and silver. The original monetary notes, the dollar, the pound, the rand, the real, the original monetary notes were basically a promise that if you had this note that said 100 Canadian dollars, that you would have the equivalent of this note, it's promised to you, in gold or possibly silver in the bank. So you could travel from one city to another, from one country to another, and you could take your promissory note to a banker who was connected to the bankers in the other countries, and he would give you the equivalent. But the paper itself, the promise is just a promise written on the paper. The bottom line was the gold, the wealth that is actually in the bank. Promissory notes have turned into computer impulses. There are other forms of monetary exchange. And what we realize that within the past few years and climaxing, and we see it even happening right now, the governments, a 
especially of the Western country, are printing money by the minute. And it is getting larger and larger. The debts are getting greater and greater. And that promissory note that is in front of you can change in the twinkling of the eye. I remember when I was living in South Africa, uh, doing Dawa and living with the South African people and we were going to the frontline states. And so the intention was to go to Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe, the famous country uh, there in Southern Africa was considered to be the jewel of the British empire in Southern Africa. And Cecil, Cecil Rhodes himself settled there in Zimbabwe that was known as Rhodesia. And when they started printing their own wealth under Cecil Rhodes, their note, their pound note was equivalent to the British pound. And so it was a powerful uh, piece of paper. And the promise that you would get if you had a Zimbabwe dollar or a Zimbabwe pound was a very strong one. Years went by, sanctioned happened, and when I traveled there uh, in the 2000s, around 2007, when I traveled there and I said I wanted to change a $100 bill, they said, okay, and they came back with a bag of money. And they said, now, Brother Abdullah, you're a millionaire. Because that 100 US dollars were equivalent of millions of dollars in the Zimbabwe currency. But when I wanted to buy a cool drink, then they were asking me uh, for $100,000. So the paper was hardly even worth the fuel for a fire. And that is the world that we are living in. And, and because of this inequality, this imbalance between the promises and the reality of wealth in the banking system, an implosion is about to happen again. And that is a recession where wealth uh, will be changed, again, where much of our currencies will be devalued, our jobs will be lost even more than what is happening now. We are going into spiraling into this recession, which uh, in the 20th century led to a great depression that is here within North America. And so many of the economists, and this was years ago, I remember one economist speaking about the United States in particular, and he said by 2020 or so, the large cities in America would become like third world uh, cities. The people would be surrounding the city's homelessness. And there would be people begging in the streets. There would be bread lines. And subhanAllah, we see what is happening now in California is a good example of this. The homeless people, the hundreds and thousands of people that are living on the streets. People who made up the middle class, losing their wealth, losing their jobs. And this is causing great tension amongst the people. That leads us to the third uh, issue of, of the real clear and present dangers. And, and, and that is the um, racial and religious violence. And it is like a crusade. In the past, you, you would see people so worked up that armies of people would just throw themselves at each other. 
But now we see the tensions bubbling up in people. We have all been shocked over the past few days as to what is happening in the United States. And with President Trump and his minions and the group called the Proud Boys and the other right-wing extremists coming to the surface and storming the capital of the United States, entering into an area that was considered to be the safest uh, zone of existence on earth, entering in it and de defacing it and defiling it in front of the eyes of the world. And people in Canada looked in shock, but many people don't realize that the Proud Boys actually began in Canada. And then they went to the United States. So this racial tension that is boiling up in the right-wing extreme, especially amongst the European people who, who feel that their societies, their domination of Western societies is now uh, going out of their hands, uh, it is causing tension. It is causing uh, fighting in the streets. And to, to top that off, there is also religious violence. And we see that this is happening not only in North America, but around the world extremism coming out of the great religions of the world and people in a state of tension. These are clear and present dangers. And there is an external version, but there is also an internal struggle that goes on. And in order to actually deal with the external, we have to first deal with the internal struggle that is going on within ourselves. Now, these three clear and present dangers are also coupled with a number of other issues. And I want to look at just a few of these issues with you uh, to try to understand what is happening with us. But as we go to these detailed issues, I want to reflect. Because for many people, this looming recession, this COVID-19, um, it, it is causing physical reactions uh, amongst them. But we have to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the last revelation. And in these type of situations, I always remember the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has revealed to us in Surah Al-Talaq, Allah has revealed to us A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani rajim wa man yattaqillaha yaj'alahu makhraja wa yarzuqhu min haythu la yahtasib wa man yatawakkal ala Allahi fa huwa hasbu inna Allaha balighu amri qad ja'ala Allahu likulli shay'in qadra and whoever is mindful of Allah then Allah will make a way out for him and provide for him from where he knows not. And whoever depends upon Allah, Allah will be sufficient for him. Surely Allah will reach his purpose and he has made a limit to all things. And so this is a very important uh, section of Surah Al-Talaq. And many people go into this chapter wanting to know about the rules of Talaq and the rules of Fesq and, and Khola and all these issues. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds people, because marriage is such an important thing. Allah reminds people 
not only for this specifically, but generally, that whoever has the consciousness of Allah, when we are doing things, we have to develop taqwa. We have to have the, the consciousness of Allah because that consciousness will provide a way out from us. Think about the COVID-19. Think about the racial violence. Think about the economic recession. Taqwa provides makhraj. It provides a way out. And provisions. This is important for our hearts as we go into the economic recession. That Allah is the one, al-raziq, is one of the descriptions of Allah Azawajal. The one who provides rizq. And that is our provisions. That if you have taqwa, then Allah will provide a way out for you and provide for you from where you know not. So maybe your promissory notes, your Canadian dollars or US dollars will leave you, but somehow you survive. That is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we depend on Allah, then Allah will be sufficient. And Allah tells us clearly, Inna Allaha balighu amri. Allah will reach his purpose. There is a purpose for COVID-19. There is a purpose for the tension that we see happening on the streets and in the world. There is a purpose for this implosion in our economic life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over all things. And this is important for our hearts in this very tense time uh, that we are living in. And so looking at the struggle that we are going through, we recognize that there are other issues facing the Muslims. And I want to look at these issues so that we can touch on them as we go through. These are some of the points on the ground facing us. Uh, some of them are, are new ones for us in this particular age. Others have been there, but they have not been so much uh, in the surface. Atheism. Atheism is the religion or the way of life where the people negate the creator completely. There is no God. And that was something that we didn't even consider to be part of our struggle. I remember back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, it was an interfaith struggle. So the discussion was is there one God? Is there three? Are there many gods? What is coming now is godlessness. And many of our younger generation are struck with godlessness. And this is an issue which is important to face. It's important to come out of this and to have solutions from our way of life. What is happening to many of the youth and even our older generation, is a loss of traditional values. And our values and, and, and are based upon the Quran and the Sunnah. Our values are based upon Islamic way of life. This loss of values is hitting everybody, the Christians, Jews, Hindus. It is hitting everybody. And secularism, a valueless system or a system based on values that people make according to the circumstances, this is now taking the place of our traditional values. For Muslims, this is 
devastating because our traditional values, the Quran and the Sunnah, these are the two sources that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, if you follow these, you will never go astray. And so when these sources are lost, we see people losing their faith, going astray, being confused, and, and doing things which are unheard of. I was in a meeting just recently, and a, a, a sister brought some statistics about the younger generation uh, in Canada. Shocking statistics. And it was talking about that young people today are, you know, are sexually active, uh, maybe 60% of, of the Muslim community. And this is outside of marriage. So the traditional values only in, in a few decades are being lost. I can remember seeing Muslims coming here in the 70s and in the 80s and young men coming and, and living 10, 20 years studying and working and then preparing their family, it wasn't on their mind to be committing fornication and adultery. What is happening now with the, the, the rise of pornography and the entrance of pornographic images and, and the lowering of morality within society, it's impacting us. And because we don't have a society to really show living Islam, then we, we, we need to struggle with our hearts, with the essence of our being as Muslims in order to try to deal with this issue from inside, to take it out and to be as practical as possible. For Muslims here in North America, but especially in other part of, parts of the world, urbanization. And this is where people are leaving countrysides and settling in large cities. And this is a great challenge, especially in the time of pandemic because the people who live in more separated areas, in the open air, in more natural lifestyles, have a better chance uh, to defeat the virus. They are living a more natural life, but crowded in urban complexes, crowded in buildings, is making us more susceptible to viruses, to pandemics, and to other issues. Along with this, a great struggle and we'll be looking at it through all of the different discussions that we have is Islamophobia. And that is the illogical fear of Islam and Muslims. It is rising in the land. It is spreading and it is not going away. And so it is an issue that we will have to tackle and to put into our agenda. It's shocking to see Muslims running out of the Muslim world. Muslims, you know, putting themselves on boats. We see them leaving Turkey, leaving North Africa, going into the Mediterranean, leaving Muslim countries and going to places where the people do not want them. Going to godless societies where people are drinking alcohol, eating pork and leaving the Muslims lands. I used to sit and read National Geographic as a young man and dream about going to Syria and going to Morocco and going to West Africa and going to India and Pakistan and Afghanistan and, and Yemen and, and traveling the different famous parts of the world. Now we see people running away with their children and their families.
It's a forced migration. And it is something which is unprecedented in Islamic history. And it is facing us. It is facing us today. It's not going to go away. In this time of the migration and the time of the loss of traditional values within the secular society, people are trying to escape. They are taking on a new way of life that in many countries bases its spirituality on drugs. And alcohol is drugs in liquid form. And it's shocking to see, even here in Canada and many of the Western countries, that as they are closing uh, businesses, they are closing schools, there are certain institutions, certain buildings that must stay open. The Walmart, which has now become you know, the center for everything now, the Walmart stay open. But shockingly, the liquor stores where people are getting their alcohol is considered to be essential. It is essential for people to medicate. It is drugs in liquid form. And it's always shocking. The other day I was walking and it was cold outside, minus uh, seven degrees with the wind chill factor. People were lined up around the corner. I thought it was a food store, but they were, it was an alcohol liquor store. And so illegal substance abuse is now becoming a way of spirituality, of medication, a way to escape the reality. This is causing uh, issues in our community, mental health issues. And we need to try to be as practical as possible because we are surrounded with a wave of mental health issues. It's something which many people have put to the side, but we need to understand it. And when we look at the solutions of mental health, we see that spirituality is right in the middle of it. Juvenile delinquency, our young people leaving their homes, carrying out in, in different acts. In some parts of the GTA, we see gangs made up of Muslims, street battles going on, our lives being lost. It's a dangerous time for our young people. What is happening now, and especially in this new wave of the, of the pandemic is COVID-19 isolation. This is something which many people have never faced before. They have never faced the fact that somebody is telling them, you can't go outside. You can't enjoy yourself in a group. You can't visit your family. Even if somebody dies, you can't even have a group janazah for that person. COVID isolation, which is leading to depression. And this is an issue that we want to look at in the coming session to try to look at some practical solutions to depression and also the Islamic basis for dealing with depression itself because Muslims have dealt with this. There are some amazing psychiatric hospitals in the Muslim world. I remember visiting uh, Turkey and, and traveling with a group studying the history of the Ottomans. And when we reached um, into the uh, northern part uh, of Turkey, we, found, we went to Dar es Shifa'a. 
and this was a psychiatric hospital where Muslims over 600 years ago were curing people who had mental issues using smell, using sound, using the Quran, using Islamic lifestyle, calming people down, giving solutions. And so within our texts, some of the great scholars of Islam, although people will consider them to be uh, Islamic theologians, like Imam al-Ghazali, uh, Sidi Ahmed Zarruq of Morocco, Sheikh Uthman Danfodio. But when you look at their writings, they were providing psychiatric solutions, sociological solutions, psychological solutions, lifestyle, which was wrapped up within the teachings because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a way out of everything. And if we really depend upon Allah, which is not just sitting in the room and hoping that food will come in the window. If we really depend upon Allah, meaning following his commands, understanding the lifestyle that he has given to us, then inshallah, there is a way out. And with this background in mind, with the looming challenges in front of us, we want to look as a theme for our solutions because we should never leave ourselves without solutions. And in this case, the example for us amongst the prophets, one of the greatest examples in terms of isolation that we are going through COVID-19 isolation, we are going through changes within ourselves. was Ibrahim alayhi salam, the great prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ibrahim alayhi salam, his life typifies humanity's spiritual journey. And that is from the primordial state, being you know, innocent as a young child, and the doubt that comes in, the confusion with things that are around you that you see, and then the faith, holding on to the tawheed, the oneness of Allah, and then moving through life to absolute certainty. Ibrahim alayhi salam is an amazing example of this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him as a Khalil. And he is considered to be Khalilullah, the intimate friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah tells us in Surah Al Nahal, the chapter of the bee, verses 120 to 121. Surely Ibrahim was a model of excellence. Utterly, he was utterly devoted to Allah, perfectly upright, and he was not of the polytheists. He was utterly grateful, completely grateful for Allah's favors. So Allah chose him and guided him to the straight path. And so through the life of Ibrahim alayhi salam, we see the Khalilullah, 
how to become a friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you look at these simple words that appear to be simple, but it's a divine formula, it's saying, Inna Ibrahim kana ummah. He was a model, and the, the Mufassirin tell us he was imaman, the kulli khasal al khair. He was a leader, an example of all the righteous qualities. And Ummah is a nation too, because in many times Ibrahim salam was actually a nation unto himself. And so we need to tell ourselves in the example of Ibrahim salam who walked through the deserts and who felt within himself, if there's nobody in the world who believes in Allah, I will believe in Allah. That is the kind of individual that we need to follow. He was qanitan lillah. He was completely devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and devoted in all the different actions and, and, and different aspects of his life, not just in ritual worship, but he was devoted in his economic life. He was devoted to his family. He was devoted in everything that he did. And he was Hanif. He was a person who was upright. He was a person who tried to do the best in every possible aspect of his life. The key quality was that he was a strong muwahid, a strong believer in one God. Not just in theory, but in action and all the things that he did. And Whenever Allah gave him or did not give him, he was shakiran. He was a person who was grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shukr, this gratitude, is not only with the tongue, but it is with the heart and is with the actions that a person is supreme, is completely thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with that, he gained guidance to the straight path. And so we keep him as a model as Prophet Muhammad also looked to Ibrahim and was told, follow the millah of Ibrahim, follow that, and then give us your example. We will see how the Prophet even benefited from this. We will see how that was exemplified through Rasulullah and then through his companions and the people who came afterwards. By looking at this, we want to start from the inside because Ibrahim was an ummah. He was an island. He was a nation unto himself. And then his qualities went out. And the people who were around him, his wife, Haja, may Allah be pleased with her. His son, Ismail, may Allah be pleased with him. They showed in their life also the qualities of complete submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, this is our approach, to look at practical issues that we are facing. We want to look at depression, go into that in the next session, show some Islamic solutions. We want to work from the inside and go out because we are all crying for change. And Allah told us clearly in Surah Al-Rad, Inna Allah la yughayiru ma biqawmin, hatta yughayiru ma biyanfusih. Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change that which is in themselves. 
So the first level of the change, the first pandemic that we have to deal with is the spiritual pandemic. It's not just the external one, but it is the one that is happening inside of ourselves, Because pandemics come and they go. Viruses come and they go. Viruses are around us. The flu is around us. The Spanish flu back in 1918 or so killed millions of people, like I say, 50 million people. So flus have happened before. The companions of the Prophet went through unbelievable changes. The, the major ta'un, this epidemic of Amwas that, that hit the Sahaba, and so many of the great companions, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, radiallahu anhumma, died in the pandemic. Great, illustrious companions. So this is not something new to our ummah, but it is something for us, for many of us, it is new. Having to go into isolation, having to think more internally about ourselves, having to prepare ourselves come closer to our families, come closer to each other in different ways. This is a great challenge that is in front of us. And we want to go through some practical guidelines set by the great ulama of Islam, those especially the scholars who looked at the internal Muslims, those who looked at the solutions that would start on the inside and then go out to affect the outward life of people. So I want to um, stop at this point uh, and to open up the floor. Uh, if there are any questions that have come through on the chat, you have to get used to asking the questions and we'll try our best to, to field uh, these questions um, and to bring some solutions if possible uh, as we are going through uh, the different areas of these practical guidelines. So I want to open up the floor to see if there are any questions uh, that have come so far uh, from our students. As you, as you type, remember the chat room, you can put in your questions there. And um, if you have a question, that um, didn't come exactly right now and you want to bring it forward, then inshallah, keep it in mind and then put it forward in the chat room. And remember, this is not everyday fiqh. So if people are going to ask in the questions, how many times should I divorce my wife or things like this, it's not an everyday fiqh class. We want to deal with these guidelines, dealing with the spirituality, dealing with the internal Muslim and ways up. So again, um, are there any questions uh, that we have had so far? So yes, Sheikh, there is an actual question here that's being asked. Um, I don't know if you can see the Q&A uh, section of it, which is, is there any reading material for the cure of mental depression? The, there are people, I mean, there are Muslim psychiatrists. And um, if we can, we'll, we'll see next week, you know, when we try to handle this question, I mean, I looked at this from the point of view of some of the great scholars, because you will find the teachings of Imam al-Ghazali, uh, Rahimahullah especially, actually dealt with depression. And, um, you know, I found this in, in, in the teachings of 
great scholars. So we will look at some of these sources uh, next week, you know, some of the practical ones, even modern day concepts, but to show, you know, how Islam, you know, actually incorporated these things already and some practical solutions as to what we can do uh, today uh, to come out of this, you know, and to improve uh, our, our lives. That was the only question. And so it's important for us to understand that this is a test. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us in this not by chance, it is the will of Allah. And remember what Allah said in Surah Talaq, in Allah Baligu Amri, that verily, surely Allah will reach his purpose. And he has made a limit to all things. And so there is a purpose for what is going on around us. And there is a limit. And we rejoice in the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal has preserved his book and through his companions has preserved for us the ways of the Prophet Sallallahu his, his sayings and, and his sunnah. It has been preserved that we can bring this to life and Allah has inspired scholars throughout the centuries to, to bring this alive. And so we want to look at this and, 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 and set guidelines for ourselves within our lives to deal with this issue. Many people now are questioning themselves. They are questioning their marriage. They are questioning their relationships. They are even questioning their economic life, their social life, their spiritual life. So this is a chance for us to reset. It's a chance for us to have a type of awakening. That we come out of this pandemic, out of this isolation in a positive way. And we can run right into the open when it opens up, inshallah. Has any other questions uh, came through uh, so far? So there's another question here, Sheikh, about any specific things that could be done for the youth or teen that are, um, so they are engaged with Islam and the religion? Yes, um, we need to be very practical with our Islam. And we need to realize that they are being bombarded through cyberspace on their cell phones. And so we need to be very um, creative uh, in how we are dealing with you know, our deen, flexible as well, and to look at our Islam as a fluid, dynamic way of life. And once we understand the parameters of the society, you know, what level we are in terms of lockdown and, and whatnot, we can actually um, develop ways for them to appreciate their faith. And it's amazing that Alhamdulillah online, there are a number of sources which are coming. There are courses online, there are interactions uh, that are online. And I would suggest that whenever we get a chance, exercises there, that, that we can actually keep them mo moving. We, we can show them you know, the benefits you know, of learning Tai Chi uh, and, and yoga and other internal exercises as well. The key thing is to be dynamic because the younger generation um, you know, appreciates moving things. 
They appreciate dynamic things. And if we're stagnated to think that our Islam is only practiced in a particular way, if we don't go to the masjid, it's over. We're going to Jahannam. If we don't practice in a certain way, we're going to Jahannam. No. This was faced by Muslims. Masjids were closed down in the past. Mecca was even closed down in the past at the time of great epidemics. So we need to be dynamic in how we are practicing. And inshallah, we hope to be able to go over uh, some practical solutions to you uh, to deal with the depression they're going through and, and, and the internal problems which are striking our families. So, so if there are no questions uh, left, we want to end uh, this session setting our background and showing our trajectory, how we're gonna approach this. And inshallah, next week, we will continue on looking at some of the parameters set by the scholars and looking at some practical issues as well and how we can face these issues in an Islamic way to take us from darkness into light. And I pray that Allah Azza wa Jal would protect you and your families and, and all of those who are listening and all of the Muslims in the Ummah, especially from these great three clear and present dangers that are facing us. The COVID-19, the economic recession, the racial and religious violence that is around, around us. May Allah protect us uh, from these terrible phenomena that is happening in our streets and give us the best in this life and in the hereafter. أقول قولي هذا واستقبل لي ولكم وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.